Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello everyone, I'm Sam Fry and welcome to a brand new episode of Technique, the podcast where we talk to artists about how they're using technology. Today we're talking about dance and to do so I went on a bit of a trip. I'll tell you more after this. Back at the end of May, start of June, I went to India. In fact, I went to Bangalore. And while I was there, I met a fantastic dance organisation, Atakalari. So I figured, why not go speak to them for one of these podcasts? I'm Jayachandran Palari, choreographer and artistic director of Atakalari Centre for Movement Arts, which is India's premier contemporary dance organisation. During this episode, we talk quite a lot about dance in India and the history of dance there, plus how that is changing and how technology is involved in that. So this time, I'm going to hand over to myself in a taxi journey on my way to central Bangalore. So I'm currently in a taxi on my way to Atakalari, a movement arts organisation based in Bangalore. I left my hotel maybe half an hour ago, and this is actually the first time I've gone into central Bangalore. And it's quite cool seeing some of the sites around. We've just been past some quite historic-looking buildings. They almost look quite... British in style. And you can probably hear in the background lots of tooting, the tooting of different cars, bikes, tuk-tuks. So I've actually been out here for a week for work, but I was lucky enough to be introduced to this arts organisation that I'm about to go speak to on Twitter. It's the wonders of the social media world. And they're based pretty centrally in Bangalore. So this will be not only the first podcast where we're interviewing someone from the Asian continent... But it's also the first one recorded in a different country. All the others that have been recorded with people outside of the UK have been done by Skype. So it's quite cool in that way. Technique goes international. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the interview. Let's see what they have to offer. I remember when I was a child of, um, say, eight, nine years old, I used to come and stand in front of the mirror imitating some of the dances that I have seen in the festivals, in the temples or in the schools or whatever, you know. So I was born in a village, so my mother used to dance. But, you know, this imitation of whatever I saw around me, I didn't know why I was doing it, but there was definitely a fascination for dance. But then I had to wait until I went to the university. Then I was in the hostel, in the university hostel, because the boys were not encouraged to dance in India at that time. Now it's actually quite different, but at that time, because I was very good at studies, so I was supposed to go for engineering or medicine or that kind of profession. My sister and brother and all have become engineers. So when I went to university, I could learn dance in the evenings. Then after my graduation, I took up dance full-time. So I went to Chennai, where I learned Bharatanatyam, Kathakali, and also Kalaripayattu martial art. That was until 1987, when I went to London, where I then joined at the London Contemporary Dance School, where I took a contemporary dance, ballet, and choreography, things like that. 
and I had a company, a project-based company in London for some time before coming back to India in 2001 to set up Artaclary Center for Movement Arts in Bangalore. So that's my kind of story in a nutshell. Traditional dance, whether it is folk dance, classical forms, or some social dances, are very uh, prevalent in India. Actually, this is one of the cultures where even our gods dance. You know, in the temples you can see dance forms. So Shiva dance, Krishna dances, Ganapati dances. So these gods also manifest themselves in dance form. So dance had a prime position in Indian culture always. During the colonial time, there was some problem with these things because of the Victorian values and, uh, you know, banned some of the forms because it was too sensuous for the colonial eye at that time. Now, after the independence, it has resurged again. But always it was this traditional form. But if you look around, there are contemporary Indian cinema, contemporary visual art, contemporary literature. Then uh, it occurred to me, you know, some of these content in the traditional forms are not necessarily very close to my heart, even though the physical language or the technique or the form itself was very fascinating because it had the elements of our um, civilization and culture, which is a kind of common heritage. But the content I had some problem with. So I wanted to have a contemporary expression which is closer to my life and which has got the pulse of living today. So then I started to look around, want to experiment with other theater people, choreographers, but all of them were actually making use of their traditional vocabulary, which was formed for a different purpose. And my journey was actually to how to find the language befitting the content you want to express, you know, the, the, what, you, what, what you want to communicate. The form will be determined by the content itself. So I decided maybe I do, I do not need to rediscover the wheel, Maybe there is a, already uh, there are expressions like that. That prompted me to come to the UK, to go to UK to study at the London Contemporary Dance School, which was a great period for me. I was there around 14 years or so in London, and I could see some of the best performances, whether it's in theatre, in dance, exhibitions of great visual artists, and even digital works. I could uh, work with a lot of digital artists. I collaborated with many, many leading artists and composers, and then also used to travel to Paris to sometimes see Ariane Manushkin's work or to Glasgow to see Peter Brook's uh, performance or, you know, and people, choreographers like William Forsyth, Saburo Teshikabara, Pina Bausch, people like that. So legendary people and the films of also the great masters I could, I could see. You know, I used to remember in Riverside Cinema or in Everyman Cinema and all, you know, I used to have these endless coffees and see three, four, five films of the masters because you could buy one ticket at that time. I don't know whether it's still the case. And then you can see one after the other cinema. So as a student, you don't have much money. So you buy endless coffees to stay awake and at the end your brain gets all jumbled up because there are all these characters are you know interchangeable from one cinema to the other. So it, but it was a fantastic experience for me. look at any work of art or actually anything in life, it is actually pattern making, whether it is a language, 
whether it's music, whether it is visual art, it's all about patterns. Mm. And the idea is, if you are able to decipher the patterns, then you are understanding the art form, you are understanding and appreciating the art form. For me, then the question was to how to deconstruct some of our traditions. And the, the period I spent in London gave me a little a welcome distance from uh, the tradition in which I was immersed in, you know. <coughs> All my early life was in India and I was very much part of the social, artistic and cultural life of the country. But going to London for that period of time was a very good time for me to reflect on these things and to analyze how the structures of the artwork is constructed and how you can look at your own traditions and understand what are the components that makes that particular form or particular tradition. So this prompted me to do a lot of research. I, we did a research into teaching methodologies in Indian performing arts. We did a research called Nagarika. It's a series to find out the concepts of body and principles of movement that govern these traditional forms of dance or martial art or body care systems. So that helped me to extrapolate these concepts into the movements which I generate responding to contemporary life experiences or memories or imagination. So that gave rise to a kind of a new language. So articulatory has, in that way, we have developed a kind of a unique language, which actually has elements of the tradition, but not in the outer form, but in the terms of spirit, in terms of its soul, the concepts and the principles. It also embodies the pulse of today, living today. And I feel contemporary dance or dance is the art form for 21st century because it actually activates or animates the entire body, the entire sense of being, your spirit, your body, your mind. In other words, the entire sense of being come alive. You know, because this is the only area, this is a final frontier, which we can say belongs to us. Most of the spaces are taken by commercial enterprises or media or whatever, you know. So I value this as a, as a sacred space. That's why even though form like dance doesn't have that much kind of money or commercial return, there is something about its resonance to a fuller living. You mentioned about the expectations on you when you were younger to kind of go into yeah. other types of professions, into yeah. doctor or, or whatever. Yeah. How was that with your parents? In the beginning, my foray into dance was very clandestine. So I wasn't revealing to my parents because I don't think they would have approved of it. And when I went to Chennai, for example, to study dance full-time, I went in the pretext of learning computer science and actually coding. At that time, it was COBOL, Fortran, and these kind of languages, and some basic as well. But that was only one hour in the evening. But the rest of the time, I was very much on the dance floor. But that only lasted one year, this uh, computer studies. And sooner or later, they found out that I was more engaged with the dance and things like that. In the beginning, they were worried. But later on, they became quite proud that I managed to achieve in my own small way. And, uh, you know, today I feel articulatory has really served a purpose of bringing contemporary dance to India and to give rise to many young artists today working in India. You want to 
make dance a viable career for young people? I was just thinking why certain things are valued more and why certain things are not. Like, for example, there were occasions, like I read a few years ago, a Japanese guy who bought, I think, Van Gogh's painting or something, shelled out millions. And then what he wanted to do, when he died, he wanted that painting to be buried along with him. So it is that commodification of work of art or general in whatever in life. I was thinking, you know, this is where actually the commercial um, kind of world is moving towards. Then I was thinking, what is a way to value your experience? How do we put a value to the experience? When I started setting up particularly in Bangalore, there was a lot of schools and other people used to come and tell me, why don't you do a workshop in our school? It will give you exposure. We can't pay you, but it will give you exposure. I said, no, thank you, because you pay your teachers, you pay your other staff in the school. So I cannot subsidize a dance service for your school. Exactly the same way you will pay your other employees. So that stand actually helped. Now today, in Bangalore, there is so much demand for dance teachers in schools and colleges. Actually, there aren't enough trained dancers. It is the story of the whole of India. There are a lot of dance activities happening, but actually well-trained dancers are in short supply. And I think whether it is in dance or theatre or mini performing arts, the country needs so many qualified professionals. That is where articulary can play a big role. And our diploma in movement arts and mixed media, you know, program is one of its kind in the country and has produced many artists, you know, over the years. When we started here, first my attempt was actually to train some dancers because there was no contemporary dance per se in Bangalore. So the first thing was to get some dancers together and make that training process, which I was working on for quite a bit of time. So when I started to train people here, I could delve into this experience I could gather over the last few years, and that prompted the training process. Then I started to gather also teachers, not only from Indian traditions, but also experts from the international performance area, you know, like a, a contemporary dance teachers, ballet teachers, all used to come. And in the course, we also have stage technologies, you know, the evolving stage technologies, whether it is light design or digital technology, things like that. And I think this is important because if you look around, our thinking has changed because there is a new self in the post-digital revolution. It's not the old kind of self. Our thinking pattern, you know, how we edit thoughts, how we formulate our thinking. It is also to do with the way digital media allows you to edit or organize its thoughts in a non-linear fashion. This uh, evolution of this kind of new self will play a big role in terms of the way the art will be developed all around the world and particularly this has got a resonance in India because if you look around our cities, on the one hand you can see in Bangalore for example the latest technology in, uh, in um, digital technology as well as biotechnology, but also aerospace and things like that. Then the same street in a matter of few minutes can go back a few centuries ago because there is a religious procession, death ceremony or something like that goes on. And all the things associated with this 
dates back many many centuries ago so people live in this kind of multiple realms i would say of time and for an artist i feel working in india i need to have that kind of suspended space from which i can oscillate back and forth to tradition and contemporary time into the future so digital medium allows you to bring your fo- focus to a specific area of the body or specific aspect that is one as- area I, i really was fascinated with and the other one is also unlike plastic arts the scenography today can be quite non linear with a click of a mouse you can change the whole um, scenography on stage so this interactive scenography attracts me quite a lot so we did experiment quite a bit in the early years for example this project called cell bites project in the university uh, arizona state university and then later on the middlesex university in london and that was actually about the telematic performances and how you can organize choreographic ideas with a delay so it's like for example if i'm doing a duet in bangalore with somebody in london so there is a little delay but nowadays of course video conferencing and all does these things much better the technology has really improved but that foray into technology put me in touch with many artists who are working with the digital media from germany from uk from japan so over the next years some of my works i was very much fascinated by the digital technology i am very much interested because i think dance is the 21st century art form Digi- digital technology is the 21st century life itself The other thing you showed me was that project called Nagarika yeah which essentially is using technology to help educate as well around dance can you tell me a little bit about that um see uh, nagarika came out of our long years of research to find out what are the concepts of body and principles of movement embedded in indian traditions whether it is a dance or martial art or body care systems so i started to work with masters of these forms who normally don't think in these terms because for them the idea of transmitting or teaching to the next generation is through physical contact so for them to think like this when i was asking questions um, so they started to formulate ideas and then we invited them to the studio and under kind of restricted specific lighting conditions we recorded so that the figures are only seen so there the with a beautiful demonstration of the practitioners then the teachers are explaining the concepts and principles of movement embedded in each of the sequences so when you are, if you are interested in the how these forms are constructed this is this gives a fantastic insight so we have done two forms in the series one on bharatanatyam and the second one on kalari pattern uh, both are trying to dissect the concepts of body and principles of movement in these forms we are um, starting to think about and going to launch a new initiative called incubation center we call it icam incubation center for arts and media so the idea is there are lot of young artists 
who have emerged from Atakalari over the years, and but also from other places in India. Now, some of these artists do not have production support or facilities so that to realize their dream. So the incubation center will give such a platform. We have done eight or nine editions of Facets Choreography Residency, but we never had the possibility of following that choreographer. But the incubation center will probably change that, and we hope this will give a new impetus for creative journeys of young people in India. That's all the time we've got for today. So thank you very much to the guys from Atakalari for hosting me and being part of this episode. You were fantastic. If you're interested to find out more about their work, you can find them on atakalari.org. That's A-T-T-A-K-K-A-L-A-R-I.org. Or you can find them on Twitter with the same name. Otherwise, I just want to say thank you to those that created music again for this episode. Big thank you to Sean Miller and also to Josh Armistead. Otherwise, I look forward to speaking to you in a month's time. In the meantime, take very good care of yourselves. Bye. Design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century, putting humans at the heart of design. Or does it? Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.